You know, I'm so, I'm so grateful for the memories that we've made, you know, hearing about the ridiculous stories of your community group experiences. I have heard some wild stories that I think are just so amazing. The fall retreats that we've been on, particularly the last one at, at Kadesh was just an absolute, it was amazing. We had so many people there. Um, it was such a great time to get to know one another and to really dive deep, I think, to believe uh, what God is doing in our lives. You know, I remember the slip and slide not even that long ago where I lost, I lost my wedding ring. So, you know, my wife is still not pleased about that, but luckily I've replaced it, so we're good. Um, you know, just so many things. Uh, I've really, I've even enjoyed the way that you constantly make fun of me for my baldness, uh, for my Eddie Bauer outfits, uh, for the fact that I sometimes wear denim on denim. Uh, you know what? I just, I carry that with me uh, for the rest of my days and the deep scars that you've left on my soul. <laughs> but... Um, you know, I, I'm so grateful for, for things like our worship nights. You know, just coming here and watching hundreds of young people show up just to worship. No promise of any snacks or, or anything else, but you just, you come out to worship Jesus. And that's been so amazing and such a, such a strong memory that I'm going to carry with me. Getting to walk with you and talk with you and pray with you and journey with you uh, over the last three years has been an incredible joy and an honor for me. And I just want to thank you for that. And I also... Um, I'm just so incredibly grateful for how you've persevered through this last year and a half and how you consistently show up and you bring your friends. And, and we're just, I mean, look around. Uh, so many young people that are here just to, just to worship and to hear uh, a message about the Bible. I mean, that is, that is so strange, but so amazing. And I just think it's awesome. So thank you so much. I'm so grateful. Um, and, you know, tonight it is, it's my last, my last message as a pastor here at Elam. And it comes with mixed emotions, but I do believe that God has a message for this group and for you individually and for us corporately. And so I want to share that tonight with you. And we're going to start our time by looking in the book of Acts, specifically Acts 20, because in Acts 20, we see something happen here. Paul is leaving a, a town called Ephesus. And as he's leaving, he, he decides he's not going to stay there any longer. It's time for him to move on. And so he gathers the leaders together. He gathers the people of the church together, and he shares a word with them. And when I came across it, I was just so amazed. I was like, God, this is perfect. This is exactly the way that I feel and exactly the hope that I have for this group. But I do want to make a, key dis a couple key distinctions. I do not think that I am Paul. Uh, I realize that there's a big gap between him and I, and that not, not all of this is completely accurate, but I hope that you get that it, it captures some of my heart for you. So we're going to pick up in Acts 20, verse 20. It's going to be on the screens if you don't have your Bible, but it says this, Paul speaking to the leaders and the people in Ephesus before he leaves. He says this, I never shrank back from telling you what you needed to hear, either publicly or in your homes. I have had one message for Jews and Greeks alike, everybody, the necessity of repenting from sin and turning to God and of having faith in our Lord Jesus. And now I am bound by the Spirit to go to Jerusalem. I don't know what awaits me, except that the Holy Spirit tells me in city after city that jail and suffering lie ahead. That's one of those key differences that I hope. <laughs> I hope there's not prison and jail ahead of me, but who knows. But listen to what he says. He says, but my life is worth nothing to me unless I use it for finishing the work assigned me by the Lord Jesus, the work of telling others the good news about the wonderful grace of God. That is so true. And now I know that none of you to whom I have preached the kingdom will ever see me again. I hope that's not true either. I will still be in Saskatoon, so let's stay in touch. But 
you know, this is Paul here, so I think that's about it. I declare today that I have been faithful. If anyone suffers eternal death, it's not my fault, for I didn't shrink from declaring all that God wants you to know. So guard yourselves and God's people. Feed and shepherd God's flock, his church, purchased with his own blood, over which the Holy Spirit has appointed you as elders. I know that false teachers like vicious wolves will come in among you after I leave, not sparing the flock. Even some men from your own group will rise up and distort the truth in order to draw a following. Again, I hope that's not true. Watch out. Remember the three years I was with you. My constant watch and care over you night and day and my many tears for you. I now, and now I entrust you to God and the message of his grace that is able to build you up and give you an inheritance with all those he has set apart for himself. What a powerful passage. And I think that it captures my heart so much because it captures the heart of a pastor. A heart of a pastor who, who comes in and who decides to serve and to work with and, and to help along people that, that, that God has called to worship together. And I think it's cool that Paul spent three years in Ephesus and I've spent three years here and and just watching the deep love that Paul had for his people reminded me that, that the love that I feel for you is real and it's true. And it's not some concoction. It's not something that I've made up to have a good final sermon. It's, it comes from a true place. I've prayed for you. I've cried for you. I've cared for you. I've walked with you because I genuinely believe that the mark of Jesus Christ is on each and every one of you. That your lives matter that what you do and who you're called to be is important. And I never want you to forget that. I'm incredibly proud of you. The fact that over the past few years, we've seen hundreds and hundreds of young people show up in this place to simply worship and to learn more about Jesus. It blows my mind. When culture and the world around me tells, that faith, tells me that faith is dying and that Christianity isn't relevant anymore, and I see young people, intelligent, smart young people who are taking the time to dedicate themselves to following Jesus, I am convinced that they are wrong and that the message of Jesus is as live and as well as it ever has been. But after this passage in Acts, Paul leaves Ephesus. And he goes on his own way. In fact, he, he ends up in Macedonia, and then he ends up in Greece. And then finally he ends up in Jerusalem, where he said he was going. And guess what? When he gets to Jerusalem, he's put in prison. So it's five years later, fast forward five years, Paul finds himself rotting away in a prison cell in Jerusalem. And what does Paul do? He begins writing letters to the church. And one church in particular, he writes a beautiful love letter to and it's the church of Ephesus. It's the Ephesian church. It's where we get the book of Ephesians in our New Testament. And it's here that Paul really is trying to capture what the church should and what the, what the church could look like if people were to rally around and to believe what Jesus had called them to. He wants to share what the key ingredients are for a community that's actually serving Jesus and actually making a difference in the world around them. Ephesians is a beautiful book. And it's even more beautiful when you pair it with the fact that Paul has just left five years earlier from Ephesus, goes on his journey that Jesus has called him to, ends up in prison, and then writes back to them telling them, don't give up. Continue to push on because good things are coming. And I want you to listen to what he tells them. And we're going to look at Ephesians 4 because this is really where everything comes together for Paul. And this is what he writes. He says, Therefore I, a prisoner for serving the Lord, beg you to lead a life worth, worthy of your calling. For you have been called by God. 
always be humble and gentle. This is him talking to the people that he loves. So listen to these words. Always be humble and gentle. Be patient with each other. Making allowance for each other's faults because of your love. Make every effort to keep yourselves united in the spirit. Binding yourselves together with peace. For there is one body and one spirit. Just as you you have been called to one glorious hope for the future. There is one Lord, one faith, one baptism, one God and Father of all, who is over all, in all, and living through all. However, he has given each one of us a special gift through the generosity of Christ. That is why the scriptures say, when he ascended to the heights, he led a crowd of captives and gave gifts to his people. Notice that it says he ascended. This clearly means that Christ also descended to our lowly world. And the same one who descended is the one who ascended higher than all the heavens so that he might fill the entire universe with himself. Now these are the gifts Christ gave to the church, the apostles, the prophets, the evangelists, and the pastors and teachers. Notice that we're not all the same thing. Their responsibility is to equip God's people to do his work and build up the church, the body of Christ. This will continue until all until we all come to such unity in our faith and knowledge of God's Son that we will be mature in the Lord, measuring up to the full and complete standard of Christ. Then we will no longer be immature like children. We won't be tossed and blown about by every wind of new teaching. We will not be influenced when people try to trick us with lies so clever they sound like the truth. Instead, we will speak the truth in love, growing in every way more and more like Christ, who is the head of his body, the church. He makes the whole body fit together perfectly as each part does its own special work. It helps the other parts grow so that the whole body is healthy and growing and full of love. There's so much that's going on in this passage of Scripture. We could spend a whole series of sermons, but like I said, we don't have that time, so we're going to blast through it a little bit. But there's something that's going on here. There's, there's a, a particular set of things that Paul is trying to tell his church in Ephesus. He's trying to tell them, you guys, stick with it, and here is some kind of blueprints for what to do. And that's the message for us tonight. The first thing is this, Paul's message is very clear. The theme of one flies all the way through Ephesians 4. This idea that there is one Lord, that there is one baptism, that there's one God, there's one spirit, there's one people, and there's one glorious hope, and that glorious hope is Jesus. He's trying to remind the church in Ephesus that they are one. You see, there was squabbling that was starting to happen. There was disagreements There was beliefs on on different sides of topics and issues. And and Paul says to them, you are one. You've been brought together as one people for one time. And I want to encourage you that when the church, or sorry, when the world looks at the church, they should see one people serving one God who gave one spirit and one son so that we could have one glorious hope in Jesus Christ. But I want to ask you, is that what the world sees when it looks at the church? Jesus has called us to be his church, his body. We, the people, are the church. And he calls us to be one. But I don't want you to miss this tonight. Because in this passage, Paul talks a lot about unity. And he goes on and on to talk about the unity that we're supposed to experience, to bind yourselves together in the bond of peace that's given by the Holy Spirit, and on and on. But don't miss this. Unity does not equal 
uniformity. This is important for us because we've all heard the saying, teamwork makes the dream work, right? Teamwork makes the dream work. Well, what makes a team work? Not everybody being exactly the same. Teamwork is actually amazing because what it does is it takes a group of of people that that have different skills and abilities and it puts them together and it says if you work together and you, you excel at those things that you're good at, you will succeed. We see it in sports, we see it at work, we even see it in our own families. Teams of people that gather around with different skills and abilities and giftings and God uses them together to create amazing things. We know that the best sports teams are not the ones that have all the very best. It's why the Olympics suck for most team sports. Because just because you get the best of the best together doesn't mean the team is the best. It's our differences working in harmony that make us unstoppable. And friends, that's the church. That's us. That's this group right here. It's our differences working in harmony that make us unstoppable. And I just got to say that the world that we're living in right now is working so hard to tear us apart. Working so hard to tear us apart. And I don't mean some new world order that's got some conspiracy that's trying to get us. I mean just the world in all of its rawness and chaotic nature. is just we're seeing it pulled farther and farther apart. And as people of God, we're allowing it to happen here. We're allowing it to happen right in our own churches and in our own pews and in, in our own families. But we are called to unity. But that does not mean that we need to be uniform. We don't need to all be exactly the same. In fact, it doesn't even mean that we agree on everything. Unity does not mean uniformity. It means that we remember that we serve one God as one people. And that's my prayer for this community. Is that you carry on meeting on Tuesday nights. That you would see yourselves as one community. That you would see yourselves as part of something that's so much bigger than just Tuesday nights. Something that's so much bigger than your little demographic or, or your church that you serve or your area that you, that you work in. Instead of that, that you would see that you belong to part of something so much bigger. And that's my prayer. And there's also something else that's at work in this passage that I believe is so important for us to remember as a community especially as I leave and and you go into this interim time. And it's this, it's that love does not equal being silent. Love does not mean silence. Listen to verse 15 in Ephesians 4. Paul writes this, Instead, we will speak the truth in love, growing in every way more and more like Christ, who is the head of the body, the church. Friends, we have to be countercultural in this way. We have to be. Loving one another does not mean that we don't confront one another. We're living in a a time, and you know, I'm not even convinced it's right now. I just think that all of humankind is like this, that we, we tend to believe that if we disagree with one another, we don't like each other. If I disagree with you, then I hate you. If I disagree with the the choices that you make or or the lifestyle that you live, then I must I must not love you, that, that I have a fundamental problem with you, and that we can't worship together. And that is, that is so wrong. In fact, if, if, if you pick up this book and you begin to read from front to back, you'll see over and over again, people who passionately follow God get into disagreements all the time. And it's not always like heady theological things either. There's a lot of stuff in here that's just petty human nature. 
but it proves to us that we can disagree, that we can see things from different angles, and we can still worship together. We can still honor one another. In Romans, we read that we are to honor one another, that true love, genuine affection is this, that you would serve and honor one another. Did you notice it doesn't say anything about as long as you agree on things, as long as your theology matches, as long as you believe the same thing about masks or vaccines? It doesn't say that. It says genuine affection is serving and honoring one another. And we know that the world will know us because of our love. And so if love is service and honor, then what are we doing? We need to be those people. We need to be those people that, that serve one another and, and honor one another by our words and our actions. But that does not mean that we stay silent when we know something is wrong. We've produced an entire generation of people that are scared of conflict, that would just rather not really say anything because I, I don't really want to get into it, and, you know, I don't want to, you know, judge not, like, you know, I don't want to get into that, but... But that's not, that's not what Scripture teaches us to do. Scripture teaches us to speak the truth, speak the truth, but to do it in love. And just like unity doesn't mean uniformity, love cannot and does not flourish when the truth is kept quiet. You cannot truly love one another if there is not truth between you. My wife and I share an amazing relationship because there is truth between us. That we put Jesus right in the middle and no matter what happens, we, we try to speak truth to one another even when it's hard. And it's through that we develop this deep and meaningful relationship that sustains us every single day. And that I feel honored to be married to this woman because of the love that we share. But here's a good question. What is truth? Now I'm not going to get into some big philosophical thing. You can, you can go to Jordan Peterson or Sam Harris or any of your modern day philosophers if you want to, to talk about truth. But I think that this is truth. Paul here is referring to the truth about Jesus. Paul here is referring to how sin pulls us away from Jesus. And Paul here is calling us to serve one another in our world, and our world rather, by keeping the truth of Jesus alive. And that's very important. Because truth, in some sense, is subjective. And again, we're not going to get into this, but like, we have to acknowledge that, that some people feel really strongly about something, and sometimes there just isn't an objective answer that we can just pluck out. You know, we, we tend to approach things in our Western mindset very analytical, and, and we want things, we want 2 plus 2 to always equal 4, and we want to always understand how we get there. But there are times in our faith and in our journey and our lives where there's just some mystery. There's just some mystery. But what happens is, is when we begin to leave that track of truth, when we begin to leave Jesus, when we begin to leave the truth that, that our sin pulls us away from him, and we begin to believe that we can just live however we want and nothing ever matters, Paul is saying, and I believe Jesus supports him all throughout the Gospels, we need to pull each other back. And so you can't say that you love me if you see me heading into sin and you don't say anything. If you watch a brother or sister head into sin or, or to leave Jesus and you, you just let it happen because you're just like, well, I mean, I don't want to cast the first stone. You're actually living anti-Jesus. You're living the opposite of what we're called to do. 
And so love does not mean that we are silent. Because as followers of Jesus in his church, we are expected to be honest and open with, with one another, even if it's uncomfortable. We are meant to hold each other accountable. But accountable to what? Well, the gospel truth of Jesus. That should be the thing that guides our decisions. When you have a friend to you and they say, man, I don't, I don't know what to do. And, you know, I've got, this, uh, I've got this opportunity to switch colleges and, and start a new degree program. And, man, I think it would be great because I'd make more money and the job seems easier. And, and you hear your friend talking about it and your friend doesn't say anything about, well, maybe I should pray about it. Or, or maybe, you know, I should bring it before the Lord. That's your job. <laughs> Your job is to be like, whoa, 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 hold on, man. Like, yeah, I get it. Let's do a pros and cons list, but let's go before Jesus together. Can we pray together about this? Can we look at what Scripture has to say about it? We have to hold each other accountable. And that does not mean that we always wait for somebody to sin and then be like, <laughs> you sinned, come back. No, it means like, oh, buddy, okay, whoa, you're going off track here. Let me, let me pull you back here. Let me, let's work together. Love is not silent. Being a community means that we correct one another and we help each other stay on the journey towards Jesus. Guys, there are people in this very room that have come into my office and shut the door and been like, hey, you said something whenever and it was, it was not very nice. And I'm like, yeah, no, you're right. And we repent and we pray together. I've had staff do it here. I've had people in my own life. God knows my wife does it. She keeps me in line. And I help her. Because love means that we hold each other accountable to Jesus. But it must be framed by the fact that we are one. When you see a brother or a sister, someone in this community straying off, and you're wanting to hold them accountable, it doesn't start with, hey, sinner. <laughs> it starts with, hey, hey, man. man uh, you know I love you, right? Like, man, you said this thing or you did this thing, and, and, I, and I, know you're, I know you're better than that. And, and I'm here not because I'm better than you and I'm trying to drag you back, but because I, I care about you. We don't do that. If we're not people that do that in, in this room, in, the, in these relationships. How are we ever going to make a difference in the world around us? If we, if we can't even hold each other accountable to the truth of Jesus, which we all subscribe to, how in the world are we going to take that out and to share it with people? It's foolish to think that we can. We are one people who serve one God who gave us one son so that we could have this glorious hope of this promise that, that this life isn't it. That the suffering and, and, and the struggles on this side of the garden is, is not the only thing that we get. That there's something so much more. And when we choose to follow Jesus, we actually enter into eternity now. We get to actually experience those things. We get to not just go through the hard times by ourselves, but we actually get to do it with God. That is amazing. And so the final thing that, uh, that I want to point your attention to that I think Paul is trying to pull out in this scripture is, is that you know, unity doesn't mean uniformity, and, and love doesn't mean that we be silent about the gospel truth, but also this, that the church is not a building. And I, I know that that seems like really simple, but listen to me. Nine out of ten people that I talk to talk about this is church. They say, oh, I'll meet you at church. I've made a concerted effort in my time at Elam and in previous pastoral positions, and I will take this with me to the next one, that we meet at the church building. That this is a building. That if this place was leveled tomorrow, we would not stop being the church, right? That we would carry on as the church 
we have this, this thing, and, and I do it too, but we, we tend to look at other people and we see our differences. You know, we belong to the church, and, and we, we are the church, but like, man, I'm different than that person, or, or that person's different than me, or, or I don't really know if I can get along with them, or worship with them, or that church doesn't really fit my vibe, or whatever. And it's not that there's anything wrong with finding a place where you belong, but, but I want you to hear that, and I've said it before, that yes, snowflakes are unique, and each one looks different, but they're still made of exactly the same thing. They're still completely just frozen water. And I think that we get this mindset that we are so special and unique in in everything that we do and we're different than everyone else, but we're not. God says that we are made in the image of Him and that when we gather together, yes, we look different and yes, we we have our own unique things and our own little uh, idiosyncrasies and, and quirks and all of that, but we are made of the same stuff. Almost every thought that you've ever had, someone else has thought that thought. Every experience that you've had, someone has shared it with uh, along the same lines. Maybe not exactly the same, but so close that it's indistinguishable. Every emotion that you felt is common to all of humankind. And I know that's, that's hard to wrap our minds around, but there's also an incredible truth and beauty in that. And, and a release when we look at the world around us and we go, you know what, I'm not really different than everyone else. The struggles that I face and the trauma that I've experienced, listen, I'm not taking that away from you. I don't, I don't want to say that what you've been through is, is just, you know, whatever, just throw it away. Like, yes, there has been trauma and there has been horrible things. And I'm also not saying that, that we should take away your ingenuity and your creativity. I'm not saying that at all. I'm just saying that, that when we look at the church, we need to understand that it's not some building that we gather in, but it's the people who espouse a belief in Jesus. And that together, that we make up the body and that we are actually not that, that, that different from each other. We really aren't. Paul tells us here that we are one. That in Jesus, we are made one people. That is an amazing truth. Because no matter where you are, No matter who you are, when you choose to follow Jesus, you are welcomed into his church, into his family, and you become part of this amazing group that we call followers of Jesus. And you are welcomed in with open arms. But we need to get this idea in our heads, all of us, that the church is not a building. You see, when I I leave those doors at the back of the church for the very last time as a pastor at Elam, I will not stop being your brother in Christ. We will not stop being brothers and sisters when I no longer have the business card that says Elam Church on it. When when we fall into sin and we make poor choices, we don't stop being a family. When we disagree on hot topics in our culture, we are still bound together by Jesus. And I believe that when we begin to see one another, and we begin to see other denominations and other people who worship the same God, in this way, that when we begin to see one another as one, we will actually begin to heal the world around us. Friends, we've lived in our distinctives for far too long. The amount of people that that have come up to me, and they're so worried, you know, about this new church that I'm going to, making sure that their theology is right. 
You know, and I get that, and I respect that, and, and, I, and I want to be right. I, I, want, to, I want to make sure that, that what I'm teaching and what I'm believing is as right as possible. But we need to understand something, that, that even though we may worship God differently, and even though we may not totally see eye to eye on everything, it does not mean that we belong to different families. Because listen, God teaches us in Genesis that we are made in the image of Him. Now, look around. We look different. But we're still made of the same stuff. And we have to hold that within us, that, that, that division and disunity has no place in the church. It has no place in this church. Because listen, as long as we allow division to exist within the people that claim to follow Jesus, our world will look at us and they will see hypocrisy instead of hope. Did you catch that? As long as we allow division within the people that claim to follow Jesus, our world will look at us and they will simply see hypocrites instead of people filled with hope. And you guys, I don't want that. I want the world to look at us and to see hope. To go, there is something so different about all these weird Christians. They're so different, but they're all one. They serve one another. They honor one another. They love one another. And out of that, it flows into the world around them. So I want to call us, this group and myself, and, and wherever maybe you call church home if it's not here on weekends, we need to go and we need to become people. We need to be that generation that makes the church the way that Jesus wants it to be. To look at all the, the brokenness in our world and you go, you know what, all of this exists and yes, it matters, but what matters more is that, that we stand together serving and worshiping the same God. So let's be that church. Let's be that family that the world needs. And my goodness, let's just be honest, let's be that family that we need. Man, I, I want to create a church, certainly, that, that reaches out and invites people in, but man, I don't want to do it at the expense of you, at the expense of the, us, the expense of the people already here. I want to build a family and, and a place where we belong and we matter, and, and, and each one has its, your own special role. That's the church that Jesus calls us to. After tonight, I won't be the pastor of young adults at Elam anymore. But I'll still be your brother in Christ. I'll still be your cheerleader, your friend, and your fellow sojourner on the way to be more like Jesus. Because I am no different than you. And this, this isn't goodbye. And, and I mean it in, you know, the, the, the title of this sermon is that. It's this isn't goodbye. And I don't mean that in a trite or a kitsch way. I, I mean that deeply and truthfully. That this isn't goodbye. That one day, as worshipers of Jesus, we will stand united in heaven, whatever that looks like, and we will worship Jesus for eternity together. And I truly, truly, truly hope that every one of you in this place is there. As much as I wish it for my own children, as much as I wish it for my wife and my dear friends and family, I wish it for you. That one day, we will enter the gates of heaven together. And we will worship for eternity because we believe in the same God. And even though our worship looks different, and maybe our theology looks different, and maybe the way that we engage with the world around us looks different, that we still come to the altar together and seek God above all else. And I hope you take seriously the call to follow Jesus. I hope you take seriously that this isn't some club to be a part of. Men and women have given their lives very literally for this faith. 
And my goal in this world, much like Paul, is that I wouldn't waste my days, but instead I would spend my days proclaiming the truth of Jesus. And I get to do that as a pastor. But you get to do it as an engineer, a nurse, a person that works at Walmart or in janitorial services, a person who's a mechanic, a person who's a stay-at-home mom, a person who, whatever it is that you end up becoming, that you take seriously this call because I want that for you. I want the hope that comes with Jesus. We are called to one glorious hope. And that one glorious hope is who? It's a person and it's Jesus. I can tell you that I'm living my life in a way that, that I never thought would happen. I mean, I, th- I thought that when I got to Elam, like, that was it, man. I've reached the top. I mean, let's be honest. E- Elam's, like, in my opinion, it's one of the greatest churches around. It's certainly one of the most stable churches in Saskatchewan, if not Western Canada. And here I am. God's like, here, leave that, and let's go to, like, probably one of the most unstable churches. And I'm like, well, wait a second. This wasn't the trajectory. This wasn't the 10-year plan. And he's like, but Luke, when have I ever called you to safety and security and comfort? And maybe ignorance is bliss. I don't know. But I don't have ignorance. I have faith in a God who has continually served and taken care of me my entire life. And that just like the Israelites who stood on the other side of the Red Sea, the very men and women who just saw a sea open up and crush all their enemies, they look at the promised land and they go, I don't know. You know what? We're just going to hang out in the desert for a while because we just don't know if, if you're faithful. I can remember preaching that I can remember preaching sermons about those people and about that time. And I remember one time very clearly, and I've shared this with you before if you remember this, but I was standing on a stage much like this, and I was just railing against the Israelites. I'm like, what idiots. I can't believe it. They just saw the Red Sea open. They just saw water come from a rock. They just saw plagues. They just saw all this crazy stuff in Egypt, and here they are, and they don't want to go face a couple giants. My goodness, give me a sword, give me a sling. We're going in. But I remember I was preaching one time about it. God just convicted me. He said, how are you any different? He said, how many times do you come up to a difficult season of your life and you go, I don't know. Are you sure? Because when I look back at my life, I see redemption after redemption after redemption. I see God move and God move and God move. I see him open doors and open windows and shut dams to keep me safe, to keep the the mouths of lions closed that should have devoured me over and over again. I see that God has moved in my life and I encourage you to look back at your own life. To see where God has, has brought you from to where you are now. And maybe you look back and you go, man, that's not very far. But if it's a movement at all, praise God for that. Because he will continue to be faithful for you, just like he's faithful to me. So friends, I I just really, really believe that if we began to follow Jesus and do what he taught us to do, to stop getting so sidetracked with all the things of this world, yes, and and we can't ignore them, I I get that, but, but man... To, have, to, to be kingdom people, to be people that are focused on the kingdom of God and to, and to go into each day with this idea of like, God, how can I serve you? How can I, how can I make a difference in this world? How can, I, how can I be united with my brothers and sisters in Christ? How can I call each, uh, us out? How can I be humble? How can I come into... If, if we began to live that way, my goodness, you guys, the world would change. The world would change. I am not ashamed of the gospel living in me.
And that looks different for each one of us. But my prayer and my hope for this community is that you would continue to develop that. And maybe you're here tonight and, and you've never really made that decision to follow Jesus intentionally. Maybe, maybe you've kind of been skirting around the outsides or maybe you've been you know, using some words that you think kind of align with what, what, what I've been talking about. But, but I just want to tell you right now, if, if you haven't made that step to follow Jesus, you can do that now. And there's no magic prayer. There's no special thing. There's no incantation or dance that you need to do. It's just a simple turning of your heart, a moment where you go, God, I, I do want to know you. I do want to know who this Jesus is. I want to I serve you, and I want to grow to be more like you. And then you just begin making those steps. There's people here. Our leadership team would be more than happy to walk with you. My goodness, you know, I, I'm around, and I'm going to keep being connected to you if, if you'll have me and, and if you need me. Soon there'll be a new pastor that comes in. I don't know who that is, but, but he or she will, will also be there for you. There are people to walk with you and to journey with you. And so we come to the end. But before I finish, I just, I, I truly want to say thank you. I want to say thank you to each one of you. Thank you for your trust in me as a leader and a pastor. Thank you for your dedication and your support. It has meant more to me than I could ever communicate. Thank you for the privilege of getting to be your pastor for the last three years. It's been an honor. It's been a, an incredible joy. In fact, for the last three years, my entire life has revolved around Tuesday nights. It's, the favorite, it's my favorite day of the week. It's my favorite time is to be with you. And to be called away from that has been incredibly hard. But it's also partly because of you. Because you have given me the confidence. You've shown me that, that, that when people get together to just worship and to hear God's word, that amazing things can happen. That lives can be changed. That people can be healed. That God can move in incredible ways that, that we could never imagine. You've helped me see that. And I thank you. And like I said, I will carry the memories that, that we've made together and the, the impact that you've had on my life for the rest of my days. Because the man and the pastor that I am today is because of the opportunity that I've had to lead this group and to walk with you all. So again, thank you. From the depths of my heart, thank you. And I really, really mean that. And I want to leave you with the words of Paul for his friends in Ephesus. Because this is my prayer for you. And now I entrust you to God and the message of his grace that is able to build you up and give you an inheritance with all those he has set apart for himself. Thank you, Elam Young Adults. I love you so much and, and I hope to see you soon. And uh, we're going to hang out tonight and I want to hear your stories. And uh, just going to ask, well, I'm not going to ask. Mariel's walking up. have absolutely no choice in what is about to happen. <laughs> um, silly me thinking Luke was going to end on our prayer so we could just sneak up here. Uh, but I am going to invite the lead team up here at this time. Um, Luke, you just spent like a minute thanking us, but we want to have a chance to thank you as well because, uh, yeah, we have so much gratitude and so much love for you. Um, I'm going to cry. Uh, 
But yeah, so these flowers are just such a small, inadequate representation of just the gratitude we have for you and the love that we have for you. Uh, we just want you to know as you, as you move on to Connect Church and as you end your time at Elam Church that, you know, we're rooting for you and we're in your corner. And it's, it's a sad time, but our loss is absolutely Connect Church's gain. And just we're excited for you and we want to pray for you and commission you as you go on to that. So, um, yeah, if we could just all gather around Luke and <laughs> as I just yank these tears back into my head. <laughs> Lord, thank you so, so much for the gift of, of having Pastor Luke here at Elam for the last three years. Lord, we just see your anointing on his life so clearly, uh, just in the way that he has, in the way that he has led us, in the way that he has drawn us closer to you and spoken your words to us so faithfully, God. And just the message he spoke tonight was so appropriate and the words that Paul said to the Ephesian church that he never shrank back from telling them what they needed to hear. And Luke has done the same for us. It has not always been what we wanted to hear, but he has always told us what we needed to hear. Lord, thank you for entrusting this group to Luke over the last three years, God. Thank you for the incredible work that he's done. And uh, Lord, we just, we pray for your blessing upon him and we pray for your hand upon him as he goes on to connect church, God. And we pray that he would feel your peace and your comfort and your calling so clearly that there would be no hesitation, no doubt, no second thoughts about this huge transition he's making, Lord, but that he would see you in front of him, that you would be that pillar of fire and that pillar of cloud, Lord, and he would know to follow you. He would be able to see to follow you so clearly. God, Luke has helped us to set an incredible precedent of meeting regardless of restrictions whatever adaptations we needed to make we were able to make them and god that is a strong place to be going forward lord he has just helped us to recognize and to just rest upon the importance of not giving up meeting together and god we are not worried about seeing him go and we're not we're we're not concerned about the future of young adults because you have helped luke to raise us up you have helped Luke to raise up leaders in this community, those who serve on the lead team, and Lord, those who attend. Mm -hmm. And we know, we know that we're not drowning without him. We know that we're yeah. heading into a place of strength mm -hmm. as he goes on to connect church. And God, we just pray for your hand of abundance. We pray for your outpouring of, of grace and of peace and of comfort for him and his family as they go into this unknown. And as he said, maybe a little bit, unstable time but god we know that that you work in him and that you are going to use him to bring great things with that church and god we just pray this all in your precious and holy name amen, amen. thank you guys love you all thank you guys thank you very much